everybody, and welcome to the Fortress of Comic News, episode 282. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my co-host, Mike. Sorry for the burp there, Mike. Nice. I enjoy it. It's all good. You know, you're getting a little uh, chest pains in Ajita from your football team, maybe blowing a game today, so understandable. Oh, yeah, we'll see in the middle of this. If I get really angry in the middle of this recording, you all know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Start smashing things like the Hulk. Um, man, it's, uh, I completely forgot D23 was this weekend. Saw some shit about like a, a Mufasa movie. And I was like, I don't know about that, but. Do we need a Mufasa origin story? No, we really don't. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that kind of takes away, it kind of takes away from the weight of Lion King, right? Cause he dies at the beginning. Spoiler alert, but. Uh, and like you want to think as, of Mufasa as this like like golden like this perfect ruler like yeah his you don't want any flaws in that character because his right his, his death means so much to the story yeah I just I don't understand right. everything's well, we have an interview this week, Mike. <laughs> oh yeah we do have an interview sorry not to be the not to be the downer here but we do have an interview this week uh, Jonathan Snap. We'll be on the show. Um, we chat chatting later uh, about what he's got going on. I believe it's Kickstarter. Um, but yeah, so I guess we'll just jump right into the news because there's quite a bit from the whole D23 crap. Um, the I guess we'll start with TV. Um, lots of Star Wars stuff, of course, because why not? Star Wars is uh, the moneymaker. Star Wars uh, Ahsoka will feature live-action debut um, of the Star Wars Rebel character Ezra Bridger. Ezra will be played by Iman Esfandi, who was uh, the Star Wars Disney live-action. He was in the uh, adaptation of Aladdin live-action version. So um, good for him. I don't know who that character is. I'm sure you do. (laughs) I do. And um, he was the... Since it was a cartoon, he was the little kid that you like. The kids were supposed to relate to, like training to become a Jedi mm-hmm. after the fall of um, after Episode Three, basically. And um, his character was pretty cool. He had a unique little lightsaber. It had like a little blaster gun on it. You know, it was oh, fun. Cool. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're gonna do Ahsoka, especially with Ahsoka's role in Rebels, you have to bring in some of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, Makes we get sense. more of them. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited for the show. Like, really, really excited for the show. Yeah, I I think Rosario Dawson was did a great job too. Yeah, um, I just love Ahsoka. Like she's one of my favorite yeah. Star Wars characters right now. Yeah, they did. I think they did a really good job in Mandalorian uh, with her. We got our first look at the Star Wars anthology series Tales of the Jedi. The series will feature uh, same an- animation as Clone Wars and Bad Batch, uh, being developed by the same team. But I think they're it's just going to be like six episodes, right? They're shorts. Um, yeah, like it looks like they're gonna be like 10, 15 minutes a pop. Yeah, but they, it's cool they got some characters in there. Like I saw Mace Windu and stuff, so that'll be sick. Yeah, well, once again, get an Ahsoka episode, which you know, I'm fine with more Ahsoka, but I'm more uh-huh. excited for um, Count Dooku before he turns to the dark yeah, side. We get to see him as a Jedi, which is pretty sick. Yeah, we saw um, it, it was like a quick glimpse, but I'm pretty sure we saw Yoda with hair. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, yeah, I didn't see that, but uh, it'd be funny to see that. I guess he does. He is like in Return of the Jedi. He has like he has hair, like he's been balding for hundreds of years. So yeah, he looks like, like an little, eighty-year-old man who's been like losing his yeah. hair at the end of his life. Yeah, <laughs> so I guess it would make sense if he has hair. Does that mean Grogu will grow hair? That'd be phenomenal. If he gets like a mohawk or some shit. Or they just give him like a straight emo cut. Oh yeah. Like that the That'd over the so face, funny. like Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, please. Especially later in life, like, you know, uh Teenage Mando age. dies. Uh-huh. He's all like emo about it. Yeah. Listen to my chemical romance and shit. Call me Star Wars. I got ideas. Yeah. He's got them all. <laughs> I yeah, I, I obviously I love Bad Batch, I love Clone Wars. Um, I, I like the animation here. I like that this is kind of their animation style for their animated things mm-hmm. now. And okay. um, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm excited for this. I'm excited for all this stuff. It all looks just so I know. great. <laughs> and there's more of it. Bad, yeah, Bad Batch season two. Uh, we got a premiere date January fourth, twenty twenty three. So, can look yeah. forward to that. Bad Batch uh, I know you enjoyed great. the first season. Yeah, yeah. So Good. more of that. Do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, Star Wars Ando is premiering uh, later this month. We got a new trailer for the show. Uh, so, yeah, that's later in September. It's coming out. Uh, we That one looks sick. Yeah, and that looks unique, too. Like, it's a it's a war story. Yeah. It's an, it's an insurgent story. So I'm, I'm think, really, yeah. really excited for that. I think it looks the most, like, cinematic out of all the shows so far. It yeah, like, and I like, like that they're Star bringing Wars in a movie. lot of the team that worked on Rogue One to like mm-hmm. bolster out the story more. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, not to be left out, we had some news uh, hold about it, Marvel. Hold it, hold it. Oh, you skipped yeah. the Mandalorian, oh sir. I, the Man- I was saving that for the end of the Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, Mandalorian season three got its first trailer. Uh, what did you think? Uh, it looks great. Um, yeah, I love the first two seasons. I loved um, Mandalorian season two point five as well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so he's good. I like that. This seems we're going to get more on Mandalore. We're going to get more with the other Mandalorians, and yep. it's kind of back to what made season one great. Like those two mm-hmm. together going on adventures. Um trying to figure out what to do with uh Mando's leaving their his order and all this like I and at the same time being the leader of the Mandalorians like yeah. I am this is the most excited thing I I have coming up like mm-hmm. love this show love this trailer can't wait to get more of it yeah they're doing great shit with Mandalorian that's for sure and returning I can't characters wait for the- yeah, returning characters. I can't wait to meet the new characters that pop up that we don't get to see yet. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of new Mandalorian characters from like old animated series and stuff like that too. So good mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, and then they're like, okay, now we got all the Star Wars stuff. Time to talk about Marvel. Uh, Disney announced that coming to Disney Plus October seventh is the MCU's Werewolf by Night, uh, alongside uh, Black and White. Uh, trailer paying homage to that. Um, now was I didn't I forgot about Werewolf by Night. What is what is that going to be? 
Um, it's a dude who turns into a werewolf. Is it a live action though? <laughs> yeah. Um, the if you watch the black and white trailer, it, it's paying homage to like old, oh. like cult horror movies and stuff. Yeah, Boris uh, especially like shit. the old. Yeah, and the Universal Monsters, all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then they quickly at the end like turn it to color, which makes me think that the show will be in color. Okay. Um, but That's yeah, I mean, I'm not a big Werewolf by Night fan, but if you're gonna do a Halloween special, of you got to do Werewolf by Night, like. Right. So we'll see. Um, I am. I'll watch it, but it's a we'll see situation yeah, for that one. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, they also dropped the Secret Evasion trailer, and I haven't watched this yet either, featuring the uh, return of Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. And uh, I was hoping he'd be back. Why, why wouldn't yeah. he? He has to be back. I mean, Nick Fury is going to be the star of the show. Um, yep. You'll you'll love this trailer too because it's all it's just an action movie. It reminds me a lot of the cinematics of it. Remind me of Captain America: Winter Soldier. Nice, nice. Um, and it's got like a grizzled old Nick Fury with a big white beard and hell yes, you know all these returning Shield agents that we've known throughout the MCU. This one feels the most like Infinity Saga MCU to me. Mm-hmm. So out of everything we got, I think this is the thing I'm most excited for because it does feel more like that era that mm-hmm. like was just banger after banger after banger. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this one's going to be great. I I can't wait for it. So this one has like weight to it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a like cool some, story arc too. Yeah. 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 Like anyone doesn't know it's the scrolls come and they, basically infiltrate everything by turning, you know, they're shapeshifters. So they turn to humans, take over spots of people. So Nick's kind of like run around. He doesn't know who to trust because anyone could be a scroll. It's yeah, it's a cool storyline. Good for him for getting like the lead on a movie too. No. Yeah. A show, but yeah. Oh, show. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But at least he's, he's, uh, you know, he's finally got the spotlight on him. Yeah, it was good to see Aunt Robin back as the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forgot about her. <laughs> um, yeah, that'll be sick. Uh, I'm excited for that. And uh, She-Hulk Episode 4, you watched that? I did. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to talk too much about it because I'm just not digging it. Yeah. I was okay. not doing it. Um, some bright spots, actually the bright spot of it is there was a a magician in this episode, like a stage magician who was okay. named Donnie blaze. Wow. Uh, and it's played wow. by the actor who played uh, Billy Walsh in the entourage. So the second he pops up, I'm like, it's Billy Walsh. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, uh, other than that, I don't have funny. much good to say. Like the, the breakout character, this like random 20 uh, something party girl. Who's like drunk the whole time and slurring her words. I don't understand why people are obsessed with her. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I don't get it, but I'm literally at the point. There's that meme going around of, I watched she Hulk for the plot and then it says the plot and it's a picture of daredevil. Yeah. That's exactly. where I'm at right now. Like you're just waiting for him to, pop I know up. daredevil showing up in the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> you might just have to just skip to that part. Um, I'll probably watch the clip on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, and as far as shows, um, I got to catch up on Rings of Power uh, this week. But the first two episodes were awesome. We talked about that. Um, I, have you watched Rings of Power yet or no? No. So, yeah, I'm hoping episode three talks about because the, the second episode, I don't think I talked about this on, on here, ends with a dude falling from the sky like a comet. And like landing and like creating a crater, and then he's like, he's like this dude with a beard because that's how the I guess that's how the the wizards all arrive. They arrive as like comets and like land on the earth, and like that's how the episode ended. Like this dude lands and he's like an old guy with a beard, and he like sucks in all this energy. So people are speculating like which wizards that could be because you know throughout the like Lord of the Rings history, we've gotten like the gray, the white wizard, the brown. Um, maybe some blue wizards. So, pretty sick to see that happening. Like getting more wizards in the universe. Um, because we love magic. I'm gonna call it now. It's the turquoise wizard. Turquoise, nice. Yeah, there you go. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> so I gotta watch that. But uh, get the uh, hot D House of Dragons. Still good stuff. Really crazy fight scene. Um, in the last episode, Matt Smith's character. He basically like. His brother, who's king, is like, I'm going to help you because it'll make you seem weak and you won't want to take over the kingdom. And then he's like, no, I don't want my brother to help me because it'll make me look weak. So he literally, like, runs in to this, like, fortified, like, pirate camp of, like, hundreds of dudes and just starts fighting them all. And it was it was insane. Like, just literally slaughtering dudes, like, one at a time. Um, yeah. Okay, movie news. So, uh, before we talk about the news, I did watch uh, Nope. Did I talk about this already? You talked about it last week, yeah. I did, okay. Um, yeah, so that was good. And I want to see um, what came out last weekend, the horror movie. I think it's called Barbarian or Barbaric or some shit like that. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for that, but it looks sick. Like, this girl stays at an Airbnb, and there's like already a guy there. And like some creepy shit happens. I've never but heard it, of this movie. <laughs> yeah, it like it looks crazy because it's like all like the title's like all red and black, and it's called like barbaric or something like that. Or yeah, I don't know. I want to see it, but um, all right. So obviously, with D twenty three going on, we got more MCU movie news. We talked about Mufasa. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> we know the we know about all the parts coming together for Captain America four. Uh, Danny Ramirez from Falcon and Winter Soldier's back. He'll be playing uh, Jacqueline Torres, who becomes the Falcon. Also, Tim Blake has joined the cast as the villain, the leader. And finally, the film has director Julius Ona, who is best known for Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, I don't know anything about the leader. Do you know some stuff? Yeah, it's a Hulk villain. It's a gamma okay. radiated person who, instead of becoming like buff and angry, just like it gamma radiates his brain or something like that oh um right. uh it it's an interesting choice yeah. i don't know how i feel about that being the captain america villain but i feel like with okay. a name like the leader they're gonna get into some like nazi regime shit <laughs> i don't know i can't remember. i don't think he's nazi regime I, what i really hope because not to get super political, but what, what I really hope is that they don't turn him into like some white supremacist. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> I didn't know anything about the character when I saw his name was the leader. I'm like, that's all I could think of. 
<laughs> I could be, so, I like, mean, yeah. Listen, we talk a lot and I'm I'm having trouble remembering exactly his origin, but right. I don't remember him being that. Mm. I could be wrong. So anyone out there that's getting mad at me right now because like he definitely was the whole time. Um I, I just don't remember that being his character, so I hope that's not the the role they're going with here because it's just too obvious. Right. Um, especially like you got a you got a black Captain America, so you know, of course he's gonna fight the, I mean, okay, but I not for it. Um Jacqueline Torres is okay as Falcon. He's in the mm-hmm. new uh cat book as well. He's been around for a few years now. Okay. Um I'm not the I prefer Sam as Falcon personally, but right. he's not all he's not bad. Yeah. Um well, someone's gotta take over while he's cat. Right? Or you could just not do Falcon. Yeah, you don't really need a Falcon, <laughs> right? You, yeah. That's true. He's not a strong enough character anyways, as far I mean not character, but like superhero. <laughs> he, he yeah, it's Falcon in the comics is even different than Falcon MCU, so I'll be interested. Right. I mean, I doubt they're going to go the the comic version of this Falcon because the comic version of this Falcon is basically his genes were spliced with Falcon DNA, so he literally is half Falcon. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, oh, it's, it's weird, but it, it kind of works. Um, I, he'll probably end up getting like a suit like Sam did in the the movies, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. I'm optimistic about Cat 4. I'm just worried about some of the parts. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, the leader being the villain, even if they go the straight leader that I'm thinking in my head, not my favorite villain, but you know. Yeah. We'll it see. seems like they're, they're running out of villains that like, or they are holding on to some that are going to be like bigger, uh, bigger threats in the overall MCU. So they don't want to like pull from that barrel yet. I would rather see for a cat movie with Sam. I would rather see Crossbones come back. Yeah, I think it's a good villain to go against Sam. Mm -hmm. Um, He has his he has a simple motive, which is just he wants to kill Captain America. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? That's all you need. And he's yeah, it could be a fun fight scene. So, but yeah, this is what we're getting, and I'll, I'll go see it when it comes out. Yep. Uh, this is interesting. Marvel's Fantastic Four reboot has a director in Matt uh, Shechem, who's worked in TV, including episodes of Game of Thrones and executive producer on WandaVision, so he does no big battle sequence stuff uh, and characters. I mean, WandaVision was fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's we're slowly creeping up to the fact that we might have a Fantastic Four movie that doesn't suck. So... Yeah, he's also, I, I mean, I think this is a rumor, but I think he was announced as the director of the next Star Trek movie, too. Oh, shit. Um, that they've been trying to make for like 20 years now. Yeah, but, I know. But wow. I I like that background because that means that the story can be more based around the family and less around mm-hmm. the super team. And I would I think Fantastic Four works better as a family story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah, it, like just them, them with each other, rather than like we got to go battle something big. So, well, you know, at the end of the movie, they're gonna fight Doom or something. Like they gotta fight yeah. something. But like, yeah, yeah. If he can focus more on like them as a family and what they do, that is a positive in my eyes. Hmm. Um. 
Okay. We know the cast of Thunderbolts movie, and this is as follows. U.S. agent, played by Wyatt Russell, ghost, and he was a crazy U.S. agent. That guy is, like, terrifying in any part he plays. Uh, ghost, played by Hannah John Kamen. Okay. Uh, Red Guardian is back, played by David Harbour. That's hype. Um, that was my most excited of this whole cast. Yeah, that was sick. Um, Winter Soldier, played by Sebastian Stan. Okay, awesome. Uh, and then leading the team is Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, played by Julia Louis Dreyfus. Awesome. Uh, no, there's no White Widow here though. Or uh, oh, I missed White Widow. Yeah, she's in it oh, as okay. well. Yeah, Florence Pugh. I mean, you can't have not, not her. You can't not have her in it. She's such a huge actress right now. Um. Yeah, and she's phenomenal yeah. in that role. Yeah, she's really good. It, I see some like I'm a big Thunderbolts fan. I see some people are upset because this isn't the Thunderbolts, and right. they're right. But I knew coming into this in my heart that Thunderbolts was going to be them trying to do Suicide Squad. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that was pretty obvious what Marvel was doing in the MCU. Yeah. Um, so with that as my backdrop, I'm fine with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that Sebastian Stan's Winter Soldier's in this group. Uh, he has led the Thunderbolts in the past. And I like all the other characters here. Ghost is probably my least favorite of the group because her character in Ant-Man 2, I think it was, mm-hmm. was kind of like a decent villain, but it, that's not the reason I watched the movie. Right. Where a lot of these other ones, those villains may, like were a big part of their movie or show, and I loved it. So... yeah. Yeah, it's I'm kinda, excited it's, for this now. It's just weird. You have almost everybody with the same power set here, you know, like Winter Soldier, U.S. Agent, Red Guardian. Basically, um, everybody's a super soldier except for Ghost. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. White Widow. They're all super soldiers. Pretty much. Basically, so. I mean, White Widow is basically a super spy, but you can make the argument. Right. I did watch... Uh, Black Widow fall from the top of a three-story building and get right up. Yeah, <laughs> um, true. U.S. Agent obvious, Red Guardian obvious, Winter Soldier obvious. So, yeah, yeah you're right. But I, I think there's going to be a cool back and forth, especially Red Guardian Winter Soldier. I think that could be the the standout duo of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Like David Harbour's character was kind of funny. Um, as Red Guardian, like conversing with Sebastian Stan, I think that'd be great. And also, Red Guardian is uh, White Widow's father too, so I'm sure there's gonna be shit like going on around that in the group. Yeah, and Red Guardian's oh. a cat villain, so there could be yeah. some, you know, they could just real quick be like, "Oh, Steve told me about you," and then yeah, yep, yeah. that'd be funny. Um, all right, everybody, we're going to jump to this uh, interview with Jonathan. You'll see Chris there, and then I'll be back on the other side with him. All right, everybody, we got another very special guest for you all this week. I want everybody to welcome to the show, Mr. Jonathan Schnapp. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's uh, you know, first time for you being here, so we'll get into your origin story. 
um, a little bit before we talk about Order of the Night, Jay. So, um, you know, you're uh, writing the book, you're an artist, an illustrator, and we've, we've like, talked to people about, like, the difference between that, right? Do you really... Because it is a comic, but I would say the art is more of, like, illustration, I guess. Or is, is that really a definition between the two? What do you think? Oh, well, you know, like... We're... <sighs> I feel like we're splitting hairs already now. Like, yeah, you know, I know. Yeah, you know, sorry about that. Illustration is definitely, you know, an art, but you know, not yeah. all art is great for illustration. You know, art can be all kinds of things. It can be car design or fashion or, you know, market. You know, advertisement is all, you know, art. Cooking, mm -hmm. yeah, is, yep. is great for that. Or you can get like some weird abstract piece. But illustration, I think, is is more specific in that you have to, you know represent a concept specifically for i don't know for for words or text or or a story okay. or something like that yeah it makes sense and but you so know like, I, I studied yeah. photography so what do i know <laughs> well that i mean that's going to help you a little bit with like making images for panels right you have to like keep everything in a, in a tight box there you would you would think that, but I still yeah. you know like this was my first my first real serious outing, and you know the learning curve is is just you know it's it's extreme. There's no there's no yeah there's no real like class you can take. Not, wait, no, I take that back. There's classes you can take. Yeah. I didn't take them. I I like to do things <laughs> the hard way. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's all right. <laughs> um, so I mean, you're obviously talented with art before you made the comic. So like, where did it all start for you and you know, what made you want to do that? Uh, you, you know, like, it's such a journey, just just life in general, because it, it's, it's this project kind of grew out of other things I've been doing in my life. I've, I've, I've you know, I just mentioned I studied photography. Mm -hmm. You know, I lost interest in that because everything went digital and I didn't want to, like, yeah. drop all this money on digital cameras and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I just, you know, I taught for a while i've worked in like manufacturing and all kinds of you know optics fields and stuff like that i've just mm -hmm. I've been a little all over the map um i went to this is actually relevant and i i don't think i've told this story yet before but i actually went to all a right. summer camp okay as in a, you know to work at a summer camp and i ended up working in like the arts cabin shelter okay. shed, whatever shack i worked in the art shack <laughs> the art shack it was it was it was actually a really terrible experience in that, you know. I hate to I hate to say that you know, kids were terrible because you know they're just kids. But you know these these were some very uh, they they came from money. So there was a lot of things like oh why do I have to clean my cabin because I have maids and housekeepers at home that do that for me. You know that sort of that sort of behavior was going on. Yeah, but working in the in the art shack, uh, I just started like I just started doing stuff. It just mm -hmm. it, I don't know. It just I was struggling so much, and I needed to escape. And I just started painting and creating these kind of just cartoon animal characters. You know, making them on pieces of scrap pieces of wood that we had around the, around the area, and that just kind of snowballed from there. Where I, ooh, what's on screen? <laughs> his, oh. his cat. Sorry, Greedo made his appearance to the show. Everybody, <laughs> he, he just ruined everything. Yeah, he I, just got has, he just... I got distracted. Um, yeah, no, that's right. I did too. Anyway, so uh, I just kept doing paintings after this camp was over. You know, it was a long camp. I was there for like two or three months. Oh wow! And my poor wife at the time, like 
I had only met her like a few months before, and then I leave mm-hmm. and ask her to watch my cat. It was it was a yeah that was a <laughs> that was a rough time. Um, yeah, and we're still together after that. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I just She's kept doing these paintings, you know, like, and I kept growing and experimenting. And like, here, there's a painting behind me that that I did, yeah. and it was like a weird little jungle scene thing happening there. Um, I started seeing the paintings more and more of just like single panels or single pages out of bigger storybooks. And from there, I kind of like started exploring writing. I'd never really written before. I thought about like picture books for a while, but it it just never really felt right for me. And at the same time, like comics and graphic novels for kids, you know, the middle grade, young adults, younger, uh, they've been exploding recently and I fell in love with them. So it just kind of, it felt right. Yeah. Was that the Um, question? I kind of went off. Yeah, no, that was great. I, I'll, you can talk all you want. I mean, less, yeah, the less yeah. we have to do, the better. No, that was fantastic. Um, no, I've I've talked a lot in the past couple of years about these like early childhood comics, like uh, um, Dog Man's the big one right now, and mm-hmm. how like I love these books because a, I mean, they outsell everything that like you know Mike and I are reading. Like they're huge, mm-hmm. and. A, they get kids in the reading, which is amazing. That's number one there. But like, I look forward to 15 years from now when some kid who grew up on Dogman or you know maybe your book coming out soon um, make the Dark Knight Returns of these series because they're like, I yeah. remember this book from when I was a kid, and it's just like us when we were watching Batman as a kid, and like, so yeah, these uh, style of books are amazing, and I'm, I'm glad to see more people jumping into them. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, and I, I did not grow up reading comic books. It was just not a thing that was in my, you know, kind of bubble at the time. Um, it just felt overwhelming and having, you know, these graphic novels that are really accessible. I think I would have fallen in love with them as a kid and I'm, I'm so happy to discover them now. And, and I've got a small collection going and hopefully like when my son gets older, he'll actually appreciate them and not be like, stupid dad's stupid books <laughs> not into that what um, are these things yeah <laughs> <laughs> these aren't moving pictures come on right yeah, yeah. I, I expect the book to have like holographic images that, that <laughs> yeah. yeah jump yeah. to life when i open them um yeah, thanks to exactly. thanks to zuckerberg's meta yeah right his meta books <laughs> um <laughs> But I, you know, I love so much that there's just so much variety in the stories that are being told through comics, you know, because growing up, I had, I didn't have a full picture of like what that world was like and being able to see like on the same shelf, you know, for kids, like here's, you know, slice of life, kind of coming of age books. Here's, you know, fantasy books. Here's superhero adventure style books, just everything kind of together because they're not really separate, like where I'm at, they're not really separated by genre. They're separated by, they're all middle grade, or I'm sorry, graphic novels. Yeah. And so you just get everything all at once, and you get mm-hmm. to see like the full like variety. Um, yeah. So I find that really inspiring. Cool. And I think for me, you know, I always talk about like my first comic book was Heroes for Hire in the 90s off a, off a magazine rack in an airport. And I remember it so vividly because I was like seven or eight years old. But now that I'm thinking about it, like, yeah, I read that issue. But then I really ended up as far as like what I was 
reading as a kid or like flipping through, it was Captain Underpants. Like that was it for me. And it's still a huge thing today. Like it's withstood the test of time because that's like, that's such an awesome jumping on point for younger people to read. And it's like, people are like, well, you know, comics aren't reading. Well, you're still reading words and interpreting Mm -hmm. like what's going on. And it's still, as far as the uh, developmental stuff goes, I think it's a huge thing for kids to get into reading, uh, like having these types of books. So, yeah. And you know, like so much of our world is image based, you know, we're bombarded with like, you know, internet ads and memes and all that stuff. Like being able to read a graphic novel or comic book and like seeing the images and, you know, that's its own kind of reading. Um, just cause there's words and pictures doesn't make it any less valid. Right. Right. For sure. Exactly. Um, okay, so Order of the Night J, this does this have any relation to the to like your life as far as the campground and everything? Because it doesn't have that type of setting, right? Yep, yep. So it is. I don't want to say it's it, a lot of like the the undercurrent, the, like the the emotional undercurrents that are in the book are mm-hmm. definitely inspired. You know, whether I meant to or not. You know, I got probably like halfway through the book and I said, Oh, I've been writing myself the whole time. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, like the details of like where the camp's at or, you know, things like that. Apart from like, you know, I was in scouts growing up, you know, did that for years and years and years. So merit badges and summer camps and being outside and having, you know, jerks for other, other scout campers next to me, you know, that, that's all, that's all like, that's all ingrained in my marrow right now. Um, so it's a little bit of both, you know, it's a fictionalized, but at the same time there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of my own stuff going on in there, which is a little weird. Yeah. And, and we could talk about that because I mean, you don't have to reveal too many spoilers, but you have this order of the night J, which you say is like an ancient secret forgotten order thing. So there's another layer to the story. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about that a little bit? So like, when I was first like brainstorming, you know, what I wanted to do. And, and I always think of writing as being like, I don't know, sometimes I think of it as like a shelf and I've got like, you know, I've got like the shelf is just filled with like all these ideas. And I like, just, just look at the shelf and say, what do I want to play with today? And I pull off, you know, maybe like some toy trains and I put them in order on a train track and be like, that's my story. It's just these random ideas that I had. And so like order of the night, that's a really weird metaphor, John. Um, <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. No, um, we've heard of all that. Oh, I like thing. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like yeah, that. It's, you know, I just, I, I, I just like collecting ideas of things that I think are cool or that I wish, you know, I hope to use one day, you know, in a story. Um, Order of the Night J was a lot of that because there's, um, it was based on a painting I did. So I already had characters kind of roughly made up, you know, the designs changed since then, but I did a painting that had the two main characters, Ricky and Frank, um, a raccoon and a bear respectively, you know, dressed up as scouts. And then I've got this whole background in scouting, um, and Boy Scouts, which I, I think they're called Scouts BSA now or, or something yeah. weird like that. Um, mm-hmm. They actually have their own like se- secret order of, I don't know if they're like super scouts or just 
scoutier scouts than the other scouts. <laughs> scoutier you know, scouts. That's just, that's what scouts. it is. They're scoutier scouts yeah. for sure. But I remember like <laughs> going, you know, going to campouts and hearing about this, and it was like, what is this thing? It was called Order the Arrow, and and I think it was kind of questionable, like you know what they're using with like you know. American Indian imagery and stuff like that. It's, you know, a little, little bit, not sure how, how politically correct that is, but that was like, that was actually the idea for the name of like order of the arrow. And then I just changed. That's how creative I am. I just changed arrow into a bird and that was it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. No, uh, that was it. Yeah. I think that's interesting though. And I mean, the book itself, it says 160 pages. Uh, that's a pretty large feat in itself, especially for like, is this, this is your, going to be your first public, uh, published work, right? Yeah. Yep. And um, it's the first of a trilogy. Uh, wow. Just, it's, it's funny. So, so the story, when I first, you know, sent it off to Chris over at Top Shelf, I was only pitching him one book, like the whole, like, you know, arc, which of course is just, you know, I've thrown that whole outline out the window at this point. It's, the story is completely <laughs> different. Yeah. But I had this whole, you know, outline laid out because, you know, I had about 60 pages of finished art to show, um, which has then also been reworked because because I like punishment. Um, and thankfully, Chris was smart enough to say, ah, this is going to be too long of a book. Uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to split this up into at least two books. And he was right because that would have been probably four or 500 pages. Oh my God. The rate I'm going now. Um, yeah. yeah. So 160 pages is a lot of work. It, it, this has been about two, two and a half years in the wow. making. Wow. Um, while I'm, you know, working a day job and doing other yeah. stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been slowly driving me insane, but also keeping me sane at the same time. Okay. Having yeah. that other of a big project. Mm-hmm. That's um. So you're saying that 160 pages is just you know your volume one, but you have a plan for two other volumes that big. Okay. Pretty much, I'm wow. I am sketching through book two as we speak. Um. So so uh, uh, book one has been done since like. February. I've just been kind of waiting. Um, thanks, thanks to you know supply chain things, the release date's been pushed back a couple of, of times. course. Yeah, yep. a little frustrating, but you know it gives me more time to kind of you know get used to having life with a baby now, mm-hmm. and then sketch out new stuff. So I'm probably I haven't even counted. I think I'm about 110, 120 pages sketched out for book two. Wow. With so that's probably going to be at least another 160. And then who knows what's going to happen for book three. Um, but the story just keeps growing the more I play with it. You know, it's, yeah. it's gone places I never would have predicted. Uh, it was kind of started off as more less spooky, less supernatural, less uh, uh, adventure themed in a lot of ways. And it was a, more of a sensitive kind of coming of age, you know, you know, dealing with bullies, um, kind of story. Um, I think it's gotten a lot more interesting and has a lot more layers now, which is great. It hurts my brain to keep all those layers together. Yeah. Right. But it's great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I can imagine that's, uh, that's a lot of, a lot of stuff, especially that many pages, you know, a lot of different stories. I do, you know, cause, cause I want, again, like I've got, 
that shelf with all these ideas. And I just, I love the kind of stories that have like secrets and, you know, there's mysteries to solve and, you know, there's maps and there's, you know, there's slapstick and, you know, just all kinds of things wrapped in together. Like, you know, like the TV show Gravity Falls is a big inspiration. You know, it's got all these secrets that you can, you can watch the show over and over and find hidden characters or hidden messages in the show. So I wanted to do stuff like that because I think that's amazing. That is a pain in the butt, but you know, I made up codes for the book. You know, I found places to like put little mazes or secrets in there. There's secret codes scattered throughout book one. Oh, wow. Um, so that, kids can go back and look through and try and find those messages, maybe decode them themselves. Uh, I put in real things like, here's how you tie a knot. Here's how you, you know, use a compass. Because I think it's kind of cool to be able to read a book that's just a graphic novel and say, now I know how to tie a knot. I didn't realize I was learning stuff, but I learned mm -hmm. stuff. <laughs> uh, so there's just a lot of, there's a lot going on. I was going to ask, I mean, when creating a book for that's specifically geared towards children, do you have that in the back of your head that like, I should put some sort of extra lesson in here or like some cool little thing they can learn? Or is that just happen by accident? I, like, think, I, I, I think this is a good sign that I am now officially one of the olds, you know, I'm, I'm in my forties now and I like learning things. And I realized that I like learning things. And so I put stuff in there because I think it's interesting. I really hate the idea of making a book where, you know, there's a lesson and it's educational, but, you know, there's kind of a plot, but it's, you know, it has that kind of preachy sort of vibe to it. You know, I think kids can read that really quickly and, and suss out that this is just, yeah, that it's kind of lame. So I wanted a book where like, you know, there's stuff in there for kids to learn. And if they, if they look at some of the pages, they can just see things and maybe it'll inspire them to look and learn more about those concepts. But I don't want to have like, here's how you do, you know, blurpity flarb. We're going to blurpity flarb for the next five pages. And then we'll get back to the story. You know, it's more like an aside, like, here's the instructions for tying a knot in like one panel and you can follow along with, with, with the images, but the characters just go on and do their own thing. Awesome. And can we talk there, about, there will be five pages on blurpity flarb in book two. Okay. Unfortunately. I was hoping for, <laughs> I was hoping we'd come back to that at some point. Um, so talk about top shelf productions a little bit. How did you, how did that uh, relationship start? You know, that was like, this is still like such a surreal experience. You know, I, 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 it's, it, it hasn't helped that the book, you know, the release date keeps getting pushed back. It like keeps, you know, encouraging that. Yeah. You didn't, you're not really getting published. This isn't really, you know, a thing that's happening in your life, you know, cause this has been something I've been working on for, you know, years now. And I've been hoping to get published for years now. Um, when I had like, that first packet of stuff for order of the night J, you know, I started sending out to like, you know, some agents and things like that. And, and it's always really hard to find the right fit in terms of a publisher or an agent, especially in like kids literature, right? because there's so much, there's so many people out there trying to get, you know, kids literature published, 
you know, all these novels and picture books, that it's just finding the right person to look at your work is a huge part of it. And then it's almost like, you know, you can do the work to make a cool book, but then you have to do almost as much work to like get yourself ready for somebody to look at it with like a you know query letter and all that stuff. Um, top shelf, I'd actually, I'd pitched them something once before. It was a really, it was adorable, but really terrible <laughs> at the same time. It was my first ever attempt at like a book. And it was about a chicken that decided the moon was its lost egg and it wanted to go into space. Awesome. It builds a rocket ship out of farm equipment. Very, that's you know, a, that's amazing. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very Wallace and Gromit, you know, kind of thing. Yep. Um, yep. But it was, it was kind of like somewhere in between like a picture book and a graphic novel. So it was just, it was not really well, you know, defined, but I, I loved it. You know, it's your first, my first project. So it's, of course, it's the one that's like, I'm going to get this published. And I yeah. and just start sending it everywhere. Right. And I sent it off to top shelf because top shelf like chris's email the editor's email address is right on their website and they right. say yeah send us your stuff we want to look at your stuff that's yeah. really rare i think today where like mm -hmm. you can get like direct access and and send something directly to somebody to look at it and he got back to me the same day which is also really rare you know normally like you might never hear anything like for months and he said, yeah, this is not quite our, our, our jam, but, you know, thanks for sending it and I hope to see you around. And it was a really nice, thoughtful and quick email reply. Yeah. So when I had Night J, you know, I was getting ready to, to send that out. I said, why not? Let's try it again. You know, yeah, yeah. just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall and to see right. which, which strand of spaghetti will publish your book. And, and. And I got, again, I heard back the same day and he was, he, he was all about it. And That's it was, awesome. it's just that like, it's, I don't want to say it's pure luck because, you know, no, obviously I, not. I, I spent yeah. a lot of time working on yeah. it and getting a story together, but there's so much of just that, you know, the stars align and, and the Mercury's in retrograde and, and that sort of thing where it feels like magic just kind of happened in that moment. Um, they've been a, they've been a, such a pleasure to work with. I I probably couldn't have asked for a better publisher. Awesome. I mean, I I believe firmly yeah. in the the adage that luck is preparation plus opportunity, and that sounds to me like what it was. Like you had you'd worked to that point, you had met these people, even though they turned you down, but you remembered yeah. them, and the opportunity struck. Well, once you put the prepara right preparation in. I did have a little, like, you know, prayer altar over here, you know. There with, you go. With uh, some comic blood. <laughs> Those issues of Kiss? <laughs> yeah, issue, <laughs> Kiss issues. That, I heard about that back in the, the 80s. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I will say Top Shelf is actually, so, um, I, you know, when I, I didn't look into this too much until we had the interview, but they're owned by IDW as an imprint. Um, and I almost wonder if, like, the way they, just the way they organize their website compared to some other, uh, I would say children book publishers, they actually distinctly say like graphic novels mm -hmm. and like other categories. And it, it's treated as something that's, it, I think it's treated more seriously uh, as a, like a, a, a product rather than like how I've seen some other like books marketed, I would say. So I think they yeah. do a really good job of like putting things out there um, overall. So 
yeah that's that's awesome and uh you said that you're you know you want to work on a trilogy so were there talks about that too like oh yeah we would love to publish you know the second and third volume or so the way yeah i'd barely finished book one before chris emailed me back and said um i know you're i know you're busy and you just did all this work but uh where's book two at let's get started on that (laughs) So and then, then I had to email here. back and yeah. say, yeah, I'm, I've started, but I also have a baby now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's it's, a great it's, email it's, to get too. Yeah. Right? That's a great it's email. Been, yeah. uh, I don't know that there was a question. I, you know, I, I had my head so deep in just the nitty gritty of, you know, getting pages together and, you know, trying to wrap up all those loose ends that like thinking about like, what the future brought was going to bring or, or where book two is going to be was like, eh, I'll deal with that when I get to it. Um, right. But, you know, I, I get a sense that, that they enjoy the project. So I'm not, I'm excited that, you know, they've got my back in there. And they, they have the pre-order up on their website. So maybe the pre-order numbers have been pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I actually have no, yeah. I have no, I have no yeah. visibility in that whatsoever. So wow. I, I am in the dark and, you know, like I, I have this deep, dark fear. Uh, do, do you guys know what Ollie's bargain outlet is? Yes. It's like, it's yes. One of those dumping, dumping ground yeah. stores. Yeah. Like, yeah. We go there just for fun. And then they've got like, here's a pile of graphic novels. Yeah. Like, there's this, there's this nightmare scenario in my head where I go there and I see my <laughs> book. And it's like, no, oh, you know, no. not that, yeah. you know, cause, cause, Everybody who's there, like, you know, wanted to produce something awesome, I'm sure. But then somehow mm-hmm. they just ended up there. They ended up at Ollie's. Yeah. They ended up at Ollie's Bargain Outlet. Um, I, I, I think go to Ollie's every so often to grab some. <laughs> and I got, I got a bunch of Fables stuff because apparently yeah. DC overprinted Fables. But what's amazing to me when I go through there, and this shouldn't surprise you, Mike, but it's always volume twos. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because everybody oh, yeah. grabs volume one, but they don't grab yeah, volume yeah. two. You know? No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've been to stores too where they always have volume twos and threes and fours, and I'm like, well, I can't get into this. There's no volume one. I can't yeah. do it. All right. So so yeah. I'm safe for book one is what you're saying. Yeah, book, book one, two, you're good. Book two that's is a little the one scary. I got to worry about. Okay. Little dicey. I, I didn't mean to freak you out there, but <laughs> I just thought it was funny. <laughs> well, it was always yeah. volume twos. No, I'm so, good. Yeah. I'm good. I, yeah. I'm not freaked out. This is, yeah. you know, I, I'm at the point where I'm a little over it, and it's like, over that yeah. fear, I mean, I'm just, yeah. I'm just happy. I haven't even yeah. seen the printed book yet. You know, that's, wow. Wow. you know, it, I, I'm hoping to see some copies. I'm going to uh, the Small Press Expo. Uh, what is it? Next weekend? I think it's next weekend over. Oh, yeah. Oh boy, I got to get started packing. Um, so we're hoping to have some copies there. <laughs> hey, where's that at? Small Press Expo. Uh, Small Press Expo is in Bethesda, Maryland. Okay, cool. Yeah, that'll be. I've never been to Bethesda, Maryland, but that sounds. Yeah, me either. I didn't know that was a place, but right. Yeah, it's 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 close to DC. It's like okay. I think it's okay. right near DC. I was um, going to ask too because I know like Top Shelf does San Diego Comic Con and things like that. Uh, so they've obviously talked to you about presenting at cons with the book. So. <laughs> Not like an official capacity. <clears throat> I okay. think this year the timing didn't quite work out for you know the the big comic cons, a mm-hmm. small press expo. I've I've heard is really fun. Yeah, um, 
you know, I'm kind of new to a lot of this, so mm-hmm. I've never, I've never been to a comic convention. This will be my first time. Do you guys, do you guys oh, t- have tips for me? What should, uh, what should I do? Doc, Dr. Scholl's in the shoes. Oh, you're going to be sitting at a table though. So like, I, you know, from my perspective as a con goer, it's like, I always you know, bring a backpack because I buy so much stuff. Uh, always have a water bottle. And then Dr. Scholl's brand new ones in the shoes are brand some new, sort of inserts okay. because your feet will kill you. Because <laughs> it's right. usually as, like a cement floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And as somebody who has a lot of friends that um, make comics, and I go to a lot of shows and I'll see them there, uh, stadium seating because they give you the crappiest fold out chairs possible. Yep. Um, like Mike said, water or whatever beverage you prefer. Yep. Um, and plenty of it because some of them will have water for you, some won't. You never really know. Yeah. Right, depending on how they're organized, yeah. Um, and then right. lots of Purell. <laughs> lots of Purell. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Industrial size Purell, right at your table. Okay. Yeah, because you're either fist bumping or shaking hands all day. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if they'll let me take that on the plane, but uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll figure something out. You figure it out. shouldn't be hard to find once you land. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will MacGyver some Purell. There you go. Um. You know, I mean, this is exciting after talking to you and seeing the the arts uh, pretty fantastic and and stuff like that. So I'm happy for you that uh, they talked about volume two. Before we let you go, though, um, because you're doing the writing and the art, I just I was curious: are you do you sketch some ideas up first and then like write the dialogue and stuff in between, or how does it come for you? Do you start writing ideas down and say, "Oh, this would be cool to draw," yeah. or? So I, I have a very kind of weird organic process. I, I kind of get an idea in my head. I get that. I get my, my train cars all lined up, right? I pull things off the shelf and then I go through and I just sketch everything out. Like I, I, I started okay. I, for book one, it was all in just a nine by 12 sketchbook, you know, with pencil, wow. just little yep. thumbnails with all the dialogue. And that's where I consider like all the writing actually happens. Cause I start to lay out the pages. Okay. I really, really struggle just typing words on a page. Oh, gotcha. My brain, my brain just does not work that way. Especially when I know there's going to be pictures involved because I'm so busy thinking like, it's going to look like this, but I don't know where, like what, you know, how do things flow? How do things, you know, how does the pacing look? I can't just visualize it. So I have to see it. Um, I actually, I have it right here. I, I, I have a, I can, I can, I have a, because I have a baby and this, here, I don't think, it, I don't think I've shown it. I got a tablet. Uh, okay. It was, wow. it was a refurbished tablet. So you can see yeah. like the colors all are all funky on it, but, mm-hmm. but it, it does the job of like them, since since I would need to like rock the baby to sleep, I I doodle on this tablet in the dark while <laughs> rocking this baby to sleep, and I've wow. been doing my thumbnails that way. And now I'm go. kind of like back and forth. I do some like you know manually with pencil and paper, and some mm-hmm. of it goes into the into the tablet there, and then I'm just mm-hmm. kind of merging it all, and then I go into final art. Wow! So okay. it's it's kind of painstaking, but yeah, just, it's it just the way my brain works. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, this is, this is great stuff, John. And, uh, if you know, our, our listeners and viewers, obviously we're going to, or Chris will, uh, talk about having the link and for your pre-order cause it is up on uh top shelf productions website, but 
if our listeners and our viewers, they want to follow anything you're doing. I know, do you put some of your art out there on Instagram or anything? Uh, I am very like, I find social media very exhausting. Uh, I, I haphazardly maintain an Instagram. Um, it's, it's flimsy underscore robot. Um, because I consider myself to be a very flimsy robot. I just, I'm always falling (laughs) apart. Um, I started doing like a countdown till the, to the book release today or yesterday. So I've got, you know, a few, uh, we're up to like nine. It's a very short countdown so far. Um, Uh, and I have a website. It's flimsyrobot.com where you can just see some of my paintings and some other stuff. Okay. Um, that's about it. Great. I suppose I should yeah. twit one of these days, but yeah, it doesn't, it's, yeah. it's tough. The it's life tough. decision to not use social media is a better one. Um, <laughs> so you're making the right one. Uh, All right. <laughs> Got myself in the back for that. There you go. Hooray for the way out there, as uh, Mike hinted to, you can check the show notes down below, and I'll have links to the pre-order and uh, John's website down below, so you can go check it out. And also, the book is coming out through Top Shelf IDW, so check out your local comic shop. They should have a copy, or at least be able to order you a copy if they don't. And uh, I also assume it'll probably hit bookstores as well. Um, Maybe not on the 20th when it's scheduled, but... Usually they come out within a week after that as well. So check out your local bookstore as well if you can do there. Yep. So you can pre-order pretty much I think anywhere pre-orders okay. are taken. Great. There Always you go. If you have that local comic shop, go support your local comic shop, everybody. Yep. Yeah. So John, thank you so much for taking the time to come thank chat you. with us. Um really appreciate it and uh look forward to the book and uh we'll talk sometime again in the future. Yeah, thank Thanks, you. This sir. was fun. Meet again for book two. And we're back. We're back. Here we are, the other side, breaking the space-time continuum, as we always do. Um, not a whole lot for comic news this week. Pretty, pretty no, lacking. No, not really. <laughs> um, DC has, a new <laughs> has announced a new edition of Batman Hush for its 20th anniversary. Uh, it's going to feature an entire 12-issue storyline, tons of bonus material, and five new pages from the original team, uh, Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee. Kind of, I mean, I don't know. It's a quick cash grab for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, another great anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically it. Like, when they when the headlines came out and was like new hush content coming from Jim Lee, and I was like, Oh, okay. And I clicked on yeah. it and like five pages really. Five pages. Like I get it, Jim Lee's like running DC right now, but right. like you're not gonna give me, you're not gonna get me to spend I'm gonna guess thirty nine ninety nine on a hardcover for five yeah. pages of Jim Lee. I know. That's kind of the crazy part. Yeah. Yeah, but and I, I like if, if you've you're never Bat- read Hush. Yeah, if you never read Hush, it's a great time to jump in. If you're a Batman fan, you already own this like I do on the shelf. It's not really that enticing to like get me to go buy something. Now, if you did what Marvel did and you get like Alex Ross to draw and write a story about Batman Hush and release like a special hardcover story like that, that's the way you do a, a celebrate an anniversary. <laughs> um, or do a sequel. 
Yeah. A sequel, like, an anthology book. And, and Jim Lee's not going to do it. Like, like I said, he's running DC. Yeah. He doesn't have time to be doing a book. Right. But like, if you brought Jeff in and said like, Hey, do you want to do a sequel to Hush? And he said, yes. Um, and then Jim does the covers yeah. and you find whoever the, you know, get Ivan Reese or something, one of their great artists on their staple mm-hmm. and have it happen. But this is yeah, kind of all right, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. With that, I guess we'll just talk about what we read this week. Um, again, another week of Dark Crisis and Flashpoint coming out at the same time. Uh, I don't know how you felt about uh, Flash. I mean, okay, we'll talk about Dark Crisis, Flashpoint, Beyond, but (laughs) Flashpoint Beyond was very heavy with... uh, I feel like they were trying to fix a lot of things in this book. Um, A lot of comic book science involved here. Um, but maybe I don't know if you want to save those for the end. Or no, you're good. Let's go. Okay. So Flashpoint Beyond. I mean, I don't know. Like I noticed something at the beginning that you know Jeff Johns was writing this book. Um, and now he has like a whole, I feel he he has like a whole team writing it with him now, right? He's had that since the beginning. I've noticed. Okay. That. Okay. So. There's a whole like conversation here about like trying to explain the whole omniverse thing again, and then there's like that we find like uh, there's a chalkboard with I think that was supposed to be like Rip Hunters, who's a Time Lord's like I don't know like hiding spot where it says like five G averted <laughs> and stuff like. Yeah, from issue one. Yeah. So anyways, they talk about that, and there's like the divine continuum, and then they circle the DC, and I'm like, okay, guys, like, there's a lot of a lot of heavy comic book science. Um, I think the I think the root of it is like it's split into like, okay, there's the timeline, and then there's like the emotional thing, which is tied to like hyper time, and the emotional strain outweighs like the actual decisions being made. I don't know. Um, but it's weird because in the issue, it says two days after the dark crisis, right? So, yeah. And then they're talking about celebrate the return of the justice league, but like in the dark crisis book, um, the justice league isn't back. (laughs) Well, we're, they're still in the middle of the dark crisis, so this yeah. obviously takes place after. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Okay, so I mean, it, that just I, ra- I, I mean, agree with your sentiment yeah. of like, why would you spoil the end of the dark crisis? But yeah, it's not like anyone's fooled by the fact that the Justice League isn't coming back at the end of dark crisis. Yeah, and I, I, it was just like weird to be like, okay, so the middle of the the middle of this book is like, okay, this is after. Or just say, say like, takes place after the Dark Crisis. And, like, two days after the Dark Crisis. Just so specific. And then they get back into... Um, so after the whole, like, you know, talking about the timeline with Mr. Terrific after the Justice League comes back, um, there's a whole attack on uh, this 
Mrs. Baxter's lab. So, you know, we don't know what's going on with her. And that's taking place in the real time. And then we go into the Flashpoint timeline. Um, because, well, in that, in, that, in that timeline, the normal timeline, Batman's talking with Ra's al Ghul. And he's like, hey, I got your dad's ashes here. And I've been talking with people who are Time Lords. Um, and then he's got a picture of uh, Marionette and Mime together. Um, don't really know why yet, but, uh, we get back to, you know, the Flashpoint Batman, he's driving to Arkham because we find out the clockwork killer is Martha Wayne, Joker, and, uh, Batman has like a whole fight with her. And then she basically offers him like, listen, I've been killing all the people that are associated with time travel to find out about them, and I stole one of the uh, time spheres, which you travel through hypertime with, obviously. And she offers Thomas Wayne Batman to go save their son with her, um, which is it's like, all right. Do you think he'll accept? He'll probably accept. I feel like. Um, I don't know. I gotta assume so. It's a, a weird turn. And then they um, talked about, like, they forced the whole three Jokers thing on us again and talked about one of the Jokers being a Time Lord. Um, in that whole conversation with her. She's like, I wasn't the original. The other Joker was a man, and he was like a Time Lord, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. Um, I think it's interesting, though, that she finds out there's a way to save her son and, like, realizes, like, we can go back and do that. Yeah, I mean, the fact that she's not completely lost it, like, mm-hmm. she's not the Joker completely yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought this was the, my least favorite of the issues so far, because that it was a so. lot of, like, info dump. Yeah. Um, And also a lot of, like, let's try to explain why this trash that John's been writing these past few years is actually important. Yeah. <laughs> when, like, the fan base as a whole does not like it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I mean, the ending was interesting. I still enjoy the book overall. There's just something. Flashpoint is an important book for me in my DC reading. Um, mm-hmm. it's the one that really made me realize that I enjoy DC comics. Yeah. So I still enjoy the aesthetic of it, but yeah, the story itself is a little wonky in this issue. But we'll see. If he, it- he's still got a couple more issues to wrap it up. And then, like, Rip Hunter shows up in the, the Batcave and is like, you know I'm here, and Batman's like, I won't let you interfere, but we really don't know what Batman's doing, right? I, I'm starting to get the feeling that, like, this whole paradox, the mm-hmm. Flashpoint paradox, if you will, yeah, um, is happening in that globe, and that globe is holding in the hypertime that's keeping that timeline together. Oh, I see. And I think that that Bruce is trying to save Thomas from it. Interesting. And this might be the way for the Time Lords to fix the mistake of Thomas Wayne being in the regular timeline still. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. feeling I'm getting. Um, but they've done a piss poor job of explaining what's going on in that area of the story. Yeah, it's just like 
yeah, like by the end, I'm like, oh, I forgot this like time hunter was in the Batcave. We don't know why. And then Rip Hunter shows up. And is like, I'm not going to let you do this. And it's like, okay, what what are you? <laughs> what's happening? Here? <laughs> yeah, it, they should have either done a backup story or a one shot that explained what Batman was doing. Yeah. With the Time Lord, like that being said, though I enjoyed Dark Crisis this week. Yes, uh, I thought that was a great issue. So uh, let's talk about something we enjoy. So, um, Dark Crisis four out of seven. Um, it's you know Justice Society is helping out where you know the new heroes can't really um, are like falling short. Great conversation between uh, Nightwing and Alan Scott. I thought that was really cool. Uh, where they're talking next to Garth, uh, Beast Boy, who's like recovering in the hospital. Yeah. Um, we know that Black Adam goes to the Legion of Doom because he's like sick of the Justice League not having what it takes, meaning that they want um, he wants them to like kill the bad people, and then Deathstroke's army shows up. Um, that he's kind of controlling and, you know, he's like taken over by the darkness and, um, so, you know, they have to fight with Deathstroke now. Um, and then we go to the, into one of the justice league earths, the worlds without justice leagues. And we see like the green lanterns fighting. Um, and, and we know that like, you know, Pariah is using the might of the Justice League to, like, end the universe kind of thing. Um, and you have Al- Hal Jordan and the Flash. Uh, like, the Flash is basically going in between all the Justice League worlds. And we get to the Batman world, and it's, uh, like, Clockwork Batman, like, Steampunk Batman, which is sick. Um, also, the Flash, Barry is back. And yeah. it's like... No explanation given. Like, go read yeah. these comics. And I was like, I'm not yeah. going to read a Flash comic. Yeah, I'm not going to go read those. Um, but I like to see, like, the the Batman's, like, pissed. He's like, you're interfering in my investigation. And Flash is like, okay, I got to fight Clockwork Batman. So that's a glimpse we get. Um, and then we have uh, Alan Scott going to, like, the Justice League Dark Headquarters. And... Uh, you know, we see like Detective Chimp, who's like drunk and depressed. Um, and you know they're looking for help here uh, to defeat the darkness. So like, it seems like everybody was like down and out. Um, the like the uh, Nightwing knows that Black Adam told them like the Great dar- Darkness is controlling Pariah and the Dark Army, and they think they think they know that it's controlling Deathstroke. Um, but then like the two swamp things are there, um, that they have like, they're like, oh yeah, we've seen this darkness and this force before. Um, and they're like, yeah, I've seen this before. Uh, basically when they saw when they meet Alexander Luther, um, saying that like the crisis doesn't only affect the multiverse, it affects like, uh, spiritual dimensions as well. Uh, and, you know, a lot of comic book science here again. <laughs> um, you know, I don't... I mean, Luther is fighting Deathstroke. 
that's that's still happening. I just feel like I don't know these these two books this week were like they were kind of making sense at the first, at the start of it. And now they're kind of like diverging from each other. Um, yeah. But I think the moral of it is like the darkness is taking over all the rest of the heroes. I mean, uh, Lex Luthor gets taken over at the end and black Adam's like, Oh shit, not again. Um, and so like, at the end of it, Pariah is holding a. He he basically told them they're all, they're out of time, and he's like holding a bunch of worlds in his hand and saying a new multiverse will be born. So Infinite Earths reborn is the next issue. I think they're trying to get at like you guys can't stop it. It's already happened. We're going to have a new multiverse pretty soon. So I, I'm guessing we'll see more explained in the next issue. Yeah, I get the feeling that they want to get rid of the omniverse. Yeah, and I don't blame them. It's too confusing. Like it's really confusing. Just have a multiverse. Like I, how they had it in fifty two, where they had a strict multiverse, and these are what we have. Mm-hmm. I understand that it does take away some of like that fun. Like we don't know what's out there, kind of yeah. aspect, and the omniverse brought that back a little bit. Yeah, but I think at the end of this, we're going to have a back to kind of a tight multiverse. Um, with a certain amount, and I'm hoping that we're going to get back to a strict Earth 2 again. Yeah, that would um, be nice. And that'll be what this new Just Society book is. Yeah. Uh, that, all in all, I like this book more because it was more action. There was some explanation of stuff in here. There was some info dump, but they mm. did a good job of cutting it in with action. Yeah. And then taking steps to explain things without explaining them like the the flash thing like flash is back if you want to know go read this mm-hmm. otherwise he's just, he's back guys it's like okay cool. yeah he's back okay <laughs> thanks um shang chi and the ten rings uh uh issue two this is still a good a good book um now a huge fan of shang chi uh, the rings basically get stolen. Surprise, surprise. So now they have to get them back. Um, because he is like, he gets betrayed. Uh, Shaolin Cowboy. Uh, Cruel to be Kin, four out of seven. There's another, like, we get to, like, real time after they're ta- talking about, like, the past of him and how he, like, there's, like, guys out there that have fought with him before that want revenge and they find him, like, in this town and he, like, basically kills these lizards that he's like befriended in this family. So now he like, he pretty much like comes out of hiding and is going to kill them. This book, I mean, Jeff Darrell's art's amazing. Uh, Batman beyond Neo year number six. I don't remember if this is last week or two weeks ago. Um, uh, I, this, that's this week. Yeah. Okay. That was the finale. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, and hopefully I think we're going to see, yeah, this is Batman Beyond will return in 2023, the end for now. So I don't know if that means these guys are hopping back on, but I did like how they treated the character. Uh, kind of wraps up the whole storyline um, with uh, McGinnis. There was a cool, like, uh, reveal when Don- Donovan Lumos takes over the sword, but then he's, like, easily defeated um, from Batman with his, like, master plan uh, to destroy everything. Um, and I think he accepts the fact that like he's going to be Batman now moving forward. So I thought it was a cool storyline. 
Yeah, I like he's got his team now. Um, yep. I like the new suit. Yeah, um, everything cool. about it. So whether it's these two back or someone else, I'll be in for the next volume. Um, I guess I just hope moving forward that we kind of stick to one continuity and that yeah. this is the beginning of what we're doing and we're not going to go back and forth. Cause Until Dark Crisis happens and Bruce comes back. <laughs> or some shit like that. Old man Bruce. Uh, I mean, I've seen this I've seen this happen before, you know, yeah. when uh, Future's End happened and we brought Batman Beyond in and then he had his own book and Bruce was dead and Terry was trying to figure out his way through and then, ooh, Bruce is alive. Look at that. Yeah. So it wouldn't shock me, but yeah. yeah. Let's just uh, commit to it this time. Um, the uh, Radiant Black issue 17 Um. The story's really good. We kind of find out that there's the Radiant Black is like shared between the two friends now. Um, and the the one Radiant that can like see the future, um, the like the guy who can see the future. I forget what color he is. I think he's. I don't know if he's yellow, but um, we see that Nathan here. Is it yellow? Yeah. The original the original guy has um, Radiant Black back, the power. And um, the guy, like, he talks to him. He's like, all right, we're pretty much good. I'm going to go back to, you know, being Radiant Black. And the guy who could see the future is like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Uh, he's going to get us all killed, pretty much. So something is wrong with the timeline. And it's not how it should be set up. Yeah, that was a good issue. Yeah. Still good. Um, Prodigy, are you reading this? Nope. Icarus Society number three. It's good. You know, the main villain is the main villain, and then it gets swapped. Like one guy smarter than the other in every episode and every issue. Um, still great series by Mark Miller. This this one is kind of upsetting to me, not because I love the issue. Dark Knights of Steel, Tales from the Three Kingdoms contains a lot of cool stories from the Dark Knights of Steel universe. Mm-hmm. Just a little sad that we've had like a three month break from this uh series and uh you know we're we're stuck on issue seven out of i don't know 12 and they're like well they figured they're gonna do a break because we're like halfway through the storyline like no don't do a one out of 12 if you're gonna take a break for a few months in between the storyline i was having this conversation with a friend and this has been a dc centric problem but i blame saga for it yeah where they have a book and they're like, it's going to be 12 issues. And then they take a break at issue six. Cause if you look, yep. there's a lot of DC books doing this human targets oh, yeah. doing it. Yep. You know, a bunch are, and then we'll come back in a few months. So the artist can catch up. It's like, why don't you have the artist get ahead so right. you can release it on time? Because yeah, it does get to a point where a book I'm really enjoying and it comes back late mm-hmm. and I'm no ruins longer it. into it. Yeah. Yeah. It really ruins it for me. Um, I mean, I love Tom Taylor and everything, but yeah, and I like, I almost was confused. I'm like, how are we getting a, a side story miniseries from a another miniseries that hasn't wrapped up? Yeah, I was, I was like frantically like, oh shit, have I missed issues? I'm like searching Comicsology, don't see anything, looking up articles, nothing. So, I mean, overall, this is a good story. It's about like when the three kids are like when the kingdoms are kids and then teenagers growing up. Um. 
I think it's a good storyline. We get to see the Robins. Uh, we get to see Bane, who's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, the Bane, the Bane character is like a giant. He's like super anime, like giant sword. He's basically like Guts from Berserk. Uh, yeah. And I, I, his character is really cool. And then obviously, like, uh, he gets killed because um, Bruce is like committing to the Owl family and all this stuff. Overall, some good stories in here. Um, I really liked it. But yeah, like I said, my only gripe was like, where the hell's the main story? <laughs> um, and then I had one more. There's a couple I haven't gotten to yet, but uh, uh, this is Batman 127. Uh, the Zeran R Batman issue, which was fucking great. Um, Batman goes to Zeran R. We, you know, find out this is like the the Batman's failsafe in his mind that he created. Uh, you see, like Bruce, the a regular Batman, like fighting back, and then they have the um, the uh, the Batcave, uh, whatever it's called, coming back to like fight him, and he's losing. Failsafe is like beating the shit out of him. And he's like laying there unconscious. And then finally like Superman shows up and he's like, don't you be touching my homeboy. So that was a pretty cool shot of like him at the end, like busting in like, okay, I need to help out here because at the end of the day, like Superman's going to help his buddy out. You would think, right? Yeah. And I like the addition of the tower of Babel sequence as well. Yeah. Yes. Like bringing that into all this, like Chip's bringing in classic stories. It's awesome. Yes, that's true. Yep. Um, that's all I had this week. I got to read Shazam still, Black Adam, uh, Adam Smasher, Highball from Ahoy Comics. I got a few that I, I'm just behind on. It's good to know we're behind the same issues. Uh, oh, great. So I'll be quick on some of these. 007, number two, really good issue. Kind of explaining more about 003 and why she was taken away from the program um, mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, Dead Lucky number two, another Radiant Black tie-in book. Um, good fight sequence. We also get the... There goes the issue. <laughs> the main character kind of gets a, a cool villain in this where it's like because she has like a giant mech suit oh, and she fights a giant mech minotaur. Okay. So Awesome. Enjoyable. Uh, Captain America Sentinel Liberty number four. This finally teamed up uh, Steve and Bucky into like their missions kind of coming together. Mm -hmm. And then it was like 10 pages of Cap running around asking everybody, what does the shield mean to you? Which I'm getting a little sick of at this point in the book. Um, But once they get past that, he, you know, has a fight with those monsters again, or whatever they are, the robot things from um, outer space. Mm-hmm. And ends up teaming up with them and convincing them to like he's they should be on his side. And uh-huh. the next issue is like the big one that we're all supposed to be really mad about. So I'm kind of anxious to see like what uh, those guys have in store for us. Okay. Um, Moon Knight number fifteen. This is the first issue after Moon Knight decides to use all three personalities again, and it kind of explains how he's going to use the per- different personalities to uh, handle things. Mm-hmm. And it was really well done. I really like how he's using the different personalities to do different missions and that Mark is basically just the enforcer of it all. Yeah. Um, that Moon Knight series has been great so far. Awesome. Um, Punisher number six, uh, Punisher fights Ares. The end. 
<laughs> nice. And he, he ends up losing the fight. He comes back and like the hand tries to resurrect him and they do. And we find that like they're having trouble resurrecting his kids. Uh-huh. So there's a whole sequence there. That's kind of brutal. And okay. at the end of the issue, Daredevil shows up. So yay for that. Um, a town called Terror Number Six. It was the big fight between our the lead character and his dad, where he basically tells his dad to fuck off and cuts his head off, and then buries oh. it in the middle of the woods because he's immortal and he can't really kill him. Oh, okay. and then has so now he has a new mission where he has to go out and find a way to leave the town, um, because you can't just leave the town; you have to have permission. But a really good book, awesome art, love that series. And then New America Number Two. Um, it's a good book. It's a lot of political intrigue in it. Cause like there's a terrorist attack in this. They have to figure that out. We end up finding out that the president of this new America is a little shady. Um, yeah. And his brother who we found on the last issue is working for the FBI from the old America. Right. Um, ends up confessing to his brother. Like this is what I've been doing this whole time. So it was another yeah. cool cliffhanger. Um, much less in your face political stuff, but more like running of a country, like when shit goes down, you know, mm-hmm. when a terrorist attack happens or something like that. What do you do? So, yeah. Um, cool series. Uh, I enjoy the second issue more than the first, actually. And that's everything I had this week, Mike. Awesome. So, where can people find you on that internet? They can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and/or the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter, and you can find the show at Fortress Comics underscore on Twitter. Also at FortressComicNews.com. All of our social links are there as well. And uh, if you want to, if you could, if you would kindly uh, give us a review and podcast of your choice, like, subscribe, share, comment down below in the YouTube version, and check out the Patreon at Patreon.com slash Fortress Comics. So I want to thank everybody so much for listening this week, and we'll see you all here next week. See ya.